0: It's funny how Revival and Reformation mean so many things to so many people. But is it ever really what it is? Yeah, I know that sounds confusing, but indulge me a little. When a re- the Reformation occurred in history, did it really reform? Or did it take it to a point where we all went, OK, that'll do, and then we continued without reforming the rest that needed Reformation? Yeah, I know, confusing. Because if it were really a Reformation, the Sabbath as the seventh day would have been rediscovered, reformed even, and the laws about eating would be infused into life and, well, you get the picture. And revival, what exactly does that mean? Is it a throwback to when you were a kid and everything looked just peachy keen? Because you know it wasn't, you know, peachy keen. What we're seeing now was being done then. We just didn't have the internet to spread it around like we do now. So then it comes down to us, doesn't it? What is it about us humans that has us taking everything to a point where we're comfortable or familiar and not really taking it to the point where we find and discover truth? You know, that discovery, that reformation where you're set free, rather than change to the ways it used to be. Offering information for your mind.
1: Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word
0: and its application for today's world. I'm Falvo Fowler and this is Sabbath School University. Welcome to a new study on revival and reformation. I've got two, I was gonna say old, but two previous seen, previously seen hosts and one newbie who we're gonna pick on. So if you could yeah. go ahead and introduce yourselves, uh, tell us what you're doing and when you're finishing and if you're gonna be here next quarter and um, something interesting, because I didn't think of a question before.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm Andrew Campbell, um, I'm studying in the seminary Master Divinity program. I'm finishing in August, and uh, I think I'll, I'll be around for, for next show, for, for when we film it. Something interesting, um, I don't know, I've been just reading so much recently that, it, I mean, it, it's all... It's interesting that he's reading now.
2: <laughs> this is good. So academic. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, hey, my name's Sarah May Cologne. And, wait, what was the question? Oh, I'm done in August as well. Yay! And this probably will be my last season? Is that how you say it? Quarter. Quarter.
0: Series. Series.
2: Whatever. This is probably the last time that (laughs) I'm involved. Um, And something interesting, it's really not that interesting because it actually happens quite a lot, but this morning when I was getting ready to go I was playing with my chinchillas and I got distracted and I was holding one and the other one hopped out of the cage and so it took me like 20 minutes to round them both up and they were like hopping over each other and over me and it was just an adventure and it was quite embarrassing
3: She's has so. chinchillas <laughs> and you I'm Andrew Tompkins and I'm already finished
2: so, ah, sorry. Always trying to be good. Um, and
3: I, this will be my first and last series. <laughs> I don't well,
0: well, welcome to helping us. He, well, he's here because I could decide to jump. jump. <laughs> yeah. But yes, but it, we're glad, grateful that you're here. Would you be willing to read scripture and pray for us, please? Sure.
3: The scripture says Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're excited to read the Bible, to learn more about you, to uh, see how this is relevant to our present lives, most importantly, and we ask that you bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I thought you were going to pray in Telugu. Sorry, okay. maybe next time.
0: See? Some people said they could pray in Russian. It took them a long time. to <laughs> We won't be naming Sarah here. Oh. Okay, the series is on revival and reformation, and the three of you are going to host various shows through the next 13 studies. Um, when you think of revival and reformation, what really, what do you think of? Oh
2: man. I think of so many different things. I think we make it kind of old school in a sense. Like sometimes I just think of like a tent and like revival series and like how it used <laughs> to be traditionally. But then I think about what I would think automatically is as more just energy and like becoming passionate about something and refocusing one's life.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I I look at my Facebook page and I see people who, who call themselves a certain put a label on it, you know, Seventh-day Adventist, take that for example, but the idea of keeping the Sabbath holy varies mm-hmm. and they always take it to a point where, okay, that feels religious enough and so we're gonna go ahead and do the rest of the stuff, or they get so restricted and so constrictive mm-hmm. that um, they mess up the definition of what it really means to change yep. or understand it.
1: I think you're really onto something, it's part of human nature that we want Kind of a zone where we can be in and not have to, you know, leave it. Um, mm-hmm. you, you think of, you know, Martin Luther it, starting, you know, the, the beginning of the Reformation. It was supposed to be a Reformation of the church, but it ended up being a splintering. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, it was supposed to change the church, but people just don't want change. Even when you can see it in the Scripture, it's like you know, well, we've been doing this thing for, for who who, who knows how long and. You know, but that's true of
0: any sort of reformation, right? It splinters things up. You have like the ultra ultra one and the ultra the other. Mm. Thing one and thing two, but ultra <laughs> one and ultra two, yeah. And in, in between is this very um, complacent middle that really doesn't get involved and lets things go, that that Laodicean. Yeah.
2: But I just think that it's how you present the change because for me, my whole life has been changing constantly without much of my control in it at all. You know, I've been moving my whole life. I've been a missionary kid and a pastor's kid. Like, there is no, like, stability in that. And
0: that's true. You know, she has been a missionary kid and a pastor's kid. She's also it for TV. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it's
2: true. This is my life. And so I never knew what was happening, you know, the next year. or like, And I found a beauty in that, whereas I guess it depends on how it's presented and also what your temperament is, because my brother didn't so much like all that movement and change. Like, he wants the stability. So I think... Part of it has to do with how we present it and part of it has to do with how we naturally are.
0: But as a church group, as, a, um, as, as Christians, w- there's a tendency to pick the things you want that you're <laughs> comfortable with rather than going further to see what it's all about. And that's what, probably one, one of the reasons why we have over 400 denominations, that everybody picks what they want yeah. and says, we're not going to change because this is enough for us. Yeah. Or you know, everything else is wrong because this is what we want to keep. Uh, but there's this, this middle ground that, every, that keeps moving. Mm-hmm. If you go to a church, you see the part, the people that are really active and mm-hmm. the people that don't want to come to church, and they have that group that comes in every day and doesn't want to do anything besides the fact that, say, okay, we've made it this week, we've paid our tithe, right. mm-hmm. we were there for Easter and Christmas, and even though we don't believe it, you know, the whole list of stuff. How do you define that? I mean, that, they call it the Laodicean condition. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. people do. Mm-hmm. What exactly is it,
1: and how do you deal with it? I think when you talk about you know the Laodicean condition, and you're talking specifically about the context of Revelation, uh, Revelation three, um, I think that you could describe the Laodicean condition as a state of indecision, mm. or a state of partial commitment. You know, you you you're halfway committed, mm-hmm. but you you're not willing to go the the full way. In a sense, it's. Um, and, it, and it's not something that's new, it's not some, I mean, we see it in Revelation, but it's, a, it's something that occurred many times before mm-hmm. in history. You think of Joshua in Joshua 24, you know, mm-hmm. choose you this day who you will serve, you know, whether it's going to be God or the idols, uh, it's, it ha- you have to make a choice, you have to make a commitment. Because by that time there are people that already fell into that middle. Exactly. You know, there's exactly. like we'll
0: just keep following these people. Don't know where we're going.
1: Don't want to go back. Don't yeah. want to care about the side. We're just gonna go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Mount Carmel. You think of Elijah. You know, mm-hmm. how long will you falter between two opinions in First Kings 18? You know, you think of Jesus uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, no one can serve two, no one can serve two <laughs> masters. You know, it, it, it's kind of this this idea that you can't be in between. Right. You have to pick a
2: side. You have
1: to pick a side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if, and if you are in between, if you think you're in between, it's kind of like you're fooling yourself. It's, mm. it's kind of um, the appearance of godliness but denying the power, mm. you, you know. It's, it's, so it isn't really a Christian condition. It's a human condition. Yeah. I think so.
0: I mean, if you look at the history of India, for example, whichever emperor or group came in, the, that part of the country basically changed to follow whoever was leading so the muslims came the the moguls came in we changed to that the persians came in we changed to that the, the we had a hindu ruler we changed to that the, the british came in pe- people became christians it's we tend to find that same situation also in churches these days right. we move to b- between whoever is the pastor and the philosophies that come in how does true revival and reformation really come in then if 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 the majority still is in the middle mm.
3: how do you get that middle to not be the them. Yeah. Well, the fact that it's the middle means anything that is going to change has to come from the edge, right? So for change so to come, Sarah it's going to be the fringe. <laughs>
2: Wait, what?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it will be people who will be persecuted, people who will be uh, made fun of, whatever. They're the ones who eventually we look back and we say, we, those people were on the edge and now that's mainstream. Mm. And that's just kind of how it seems to go.
2: But I also think that there's this like a moment when you're sitting in the middle, indecisive, where you're like, I need to make a decision. I think that it's nice to have a comfortable, no definition of life, you know, kind of like, eh, I'll figure it out eventually for so long. But then at a point, often, I think people are like, man, I really need to have an opinion about something because I think they start getting irritated. And I'm noticing more, and I'm just speaking with my friends in general, um, you know, we're the postmodern mindset, if you will, of like, what is all this stuff? And like, no, you know, they don't want to define anything. They don't want to define what belief system they are. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they don't want to define um, who they're going to be for the rest of their lives. They don't even know if they want to commit to a marriage yet. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's all these things that we're just not wanting to define. But at one point, and I think I'm getting to the age where now my friends are starting to be like, man, maybe I do want a family. Oh, man. Maybe I do want a stable job. Oh, man. Maybe, you know, and there's all these things that suddenly they're realizing. They need something grounding, and I think that there is a point that the middle can change. But I do think that a lot of it is needing to be it's inspired by something
0: in order it's to. It's interesting that you say that about your generation because you've got other generations that did what they thought they had to do mm-hmm. and never stopped there to to discover their opinion. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're in later stages of life. And for example, some people that watch Sabbath School University o- online, um, their their impressions. We didn't know we could have this discussion. We didn't know we could have mm-hmm. this opinion. And I think I think that's that's the disservice of a culture that doesn't let people speak and express their opinions in a respectful way yeah. mm. i think that's one of the reasons why god gave the ten commandments mm-hmm. it wasn't a you know here we're going to knock you with a stone and stay here because this is what you have to do but the the boundaries of, of civil discourse and, mm-hmm. and existence. You have to have boundaries. We all have to. I mean, whether it's the Garden of Eden, whether it's the Ten Commandments, or the it's society itself, there are boundaries. And you just can't call out a, a, a constitutional right and say, we're not going to do it, we're going to mm-hmm. do it. Right. It's, there is a set of boundaries for behavior. Um, how, do you, how, does that, how do you take that into the idea of, of the middle,
1: mm.
0: when their boundary is lukewarm?
1: Mm. I think it. I think you always have to bring everything back to Jesus, because when when you are faced with the cross, when you're faced with you know the reality of the gospel, um, you you have to react to it. That you you cannot have a, just a non reaction, mm-hmm. and and so I think for people that are. In a state of indecision, mm-hmm. you have to bring them back to the gospel. Bring them back to Jesus, because when you're faced w- w- with Jesus, you either can move toward Him
3: mm-hmm.
1: or you-, you turn away. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime, anytime there's there's kind of like apathy or indecision, you have to come back to to the gospel.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Moore in the distance has has a song that quoted. We quoted several. Sh- programs ago called evolution says it's a Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's a redefining of the heart Mm -hmm. it's a movement a a continuous redefining that you your Christian journey is not stagnant you don't meet Jesus and say "All right, I'm gonna stand still yeah there's Mm -hmm. a constant movement and energy that that's expanded that causes you to continue to move forward Um, when we use the term Laodicean we mean a lukewarm church but it's also used in in terms of, was it justice? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So what exactly does that mean and how does it fit? Does it define? Okay, let's put it this way. We say we're the Laodicean Church. So if we are, if we're called the Laodicean Church, do we say, do we have a defeatist uh, uh, attitude and go, well, this is how we are. This is where we're going to be. So let's not just move forward. Let's not, you know, evolve in our Christian growth. Let's just stand still because this is what they said we are anyhow. Hmm. Or do we get going?
3: Well, I mean, (laughs) even in the Bible, when it talks about Laodicea, it doesn't end with the lukewarm kind of stuff. I mean, it says, Jesus basically says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. So it goes back to kind of what you're saying. But Mm -hmm. it's this idea that, yeah, people are lukewarm, but God is always there trying to move you out of that situation to something else. And how Mm -hmm. he does that is through, I don't know, there's so many ways he can try to do that, but he's constantly there trying to build the relationship. And I don't know what that has to do with justice, necessarily. I'm not sure that's significant, but at least this points to something beyond lukewarm.
2: Yeah, and I think the interesting part about Laodicea is this I was reading something on Laodicea a while ago, and so this hopefully will be correct. <laughs> <laughs> but it was talking about that the people were taking things into their own hands. They were so complacent and happy with where they were at. That's where the, what the issue was, is they thought they had...
0: That's the p- not us.
2: No. They had like the perfect amount of spirituality, and they had the perfect amount of items, and they had everything under control, where their, their strength was no longer in anything else besides themselves. And so they were so inwardly focused and content with where they were at that it was just unnecessary to move forward. Mm. And so the way I could look at it is if we're defining Laodicea, which makes weird sense, um, Hmm. in the terms of justice or something like that, it might have been, you know, like, they they were their own sense of justice. They were their own focus and I don't know.
0: It's interesting that you say that because the church or the people of God before Christ's first coming Mm-hmm. Had that same sense of self-sufficient. We're it. Self-sufficiency.
2: That's a great mm-hmm. way of putting it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I scored. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, they had the same attitude of we're the we're the chosen. We are it. Mm-hmm. There cannot be anything else. We're so good. We've got to go make sure everybody else you know knows it. Mm-hmm. There's a tendency of that attitude creeping in, mm-hmm. and that's I guess that's that makes sense in Laodicea more mm-hmm. than the lukewarm, not hot, coldy.
2: Yeah, I think they were just very self-sufficient. Brilliantly put. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think, though, going back to the point that you were making, you know, okay, so we are a in church, um, is that like a self-defeatist type of attitude? Mm. I, don't, I don't think so. Um, I think that it serves as a warning. You think of, you know, certain diseases that you may have a genetic predisposition towards, mm-hmm. um, be it cancer or whatever the, the disease is. Um, when you are told that you have this genetic condition that means that you're likely to get it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't that, that's not necessarily a self-defeating statement. It's a statement that helps you to be aware mm-hmm. and to prepare. And to know that, okay, this is this is the, the time of the in church. It does not necessarily mean that we have no hope, we're inevitably right. going to be Laodicean. It means this is one condition you need to especially look out for.
0: Right. And you
1: need to especially guard against. And prepare for it. It's exactly. like
0: Angelina Jolie and the surgery. Was mm. looking huh? shocked okay, me okay. that I would mention her in a show, but the fact that she thought she her family has <laughs> breast cancer, so she had a surgery and she decided to take care of it.
2: Ooh, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I had no clue. We're it going had nothing with to do with a movie.
0: It's an actual news it. item <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> celebrity-driven. Well, not really. Yeah, I mean, she she knew that her family had a history of yeah, breast cancer. Great. People died at a young age, cool. so she took uh, 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 she took a proactive step to make sure that didn't affect her.
2: Interesting. Okay.
0: You know. Uh, so, w- how do you do that in real in, in the spiritual life not right. how do you do that surgery cause okay. <laughs> that's a different discussion altogether it's yeah. how do you do that in a spiritual way mm. if you know you're predisposed mm-hmm. to this. But if you're aware of, if you look at history, if you look at the history of the church, again, mm-hmm. we're talking, mentioned that in the intro, is Reformation came to a point where they were fighting against the system that mm-hmm. was getting to be more cronyism and, and corrupt, but it didn't go to a point where they discovered, rediscovered the Sabbath truth. It didn't go back mm-hmm. where they dis- rediscovered the laws of, of clean meats. It just mm-hmm. went to a point where they said, this is what we want and where we'll else go back.
2: Right, but I think it becomes a pendulum because I know that one generation may believe that we need to like be on our toes and in the forefront and going and moving forward you know like constantly and then the next one's like wait we haven't thought about any of this and we don't actually know why we're doing anything and so now what and then the one behind it's like you never made a decision you know so we're gonna go again full forward you know because we need to have an opinion and so it's constantly like going like this if we have this I think it's good to have proactive like steps to an extent but I think that sometimes we go forward without Researching it and thinking it through, it's and right. like, yeah, mm-hmm. processing it in a healthy manner, which is, I think, what happens from generation to generation. Yeah. I don't know if that made any sense. Kind of got thrown off by that. No, Angela I, I, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, she does has an effect on a lot of people. <laughs> I think you have a point. Um, you know, when when you think about church history, and in particular, since since the Reformation, um, you, you like you pointed out, you have these. Uh, movements, you know, mm-hmm. th- they, they maybe break off, they form their own church, and then, then that church begins to build on their own traditions, and then you have some people that kind of break off from that. And the thing that I notice is that you find that pe- people are wanting to affirm maybe the, the traditions that have been passed down to them because mm-hmm. they agree with that. Because it's tradition, it's familiarity. Yeah, it, they're the familiar. Yeah, and, and, and also because they can see the truth in it, in, in what, what they have discovered so far. Mm. Um, and yet you have some people that are willing to you know, make changes and, and, and reform their, their lives, their churches, but yet sometimes that reform is messy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes you, you have people who are coming up with new ideas and the, you can see that, okay, some of these new ideas don't work out. Some of okay. these new ideas go down, you not know. So you don't want to go yeah. down. Yeah. And so that kind of creates a sense of fear, like, I, mm-hmm. don't wanna, I don't want that to happen to me. Right. You know, um, so I'm just going to stick with what has been handed down to me mm-hmm. because I know that that's safe and, and I, I'm not going to go any further because of that fear of going down the wrong oh, path. The
2: Andrews are about yeah. to pass. Andrews oh.
1: University, people! Andrew, no, go ahead. Oh, I'm going to agree with
3: No battling. <laughs> no, oh, no I'm means. just thinking, as I think about all this, and I think about revivals that have happened in history, mm-hmm. when you think of, like, Methodist revival and all these things, they were never planned. I mean, it's not like, here we're actually planning revival and reformation. Is that possible? I don't mm-hmm. think it's possible to plan revival in if that you sense. If carry the
0: one over and...
3: No. Yeah, exactly. Could be so, <laughs> these th- it was just people had a need. They, they recognized spiritually that the, the community and so forth was lacking something, and so mm-hmm. they started praying together in small groups, and that grew into Bible study, and then you have a denomination that came out of that that mm-hmm. now is not that way anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: See, that's, that's an interesting point, the fact that they all came together.
2: Mm.
0: And, and when you look back at Pentecost, they all came together in, it says in one accord, I mean they yeah. came together for a purpose. It's, it's easy to talk about revival and reformation, but if we're all not willing to come together yeah. in one accord, with, rather than you know, preserving our own ministries and our own you know, funding or whatever else, then you don't really have revival and reformation. All you have is a g- bunch of people that come in for a photo op and then go back to their sites and you hear the bell ring and everybody's back to the, you know, It's quick
1: left to (laughs) things,
3: And I think this example of Pentecost is interesting because it's not like they gathered around and said, Well, we haven't done any big meetings lately. We haven't done. No, they were all just grieving and and not sure what the future Mm -hmm. held. And then Jesus comes and then he goes to heaven and what's going on we have no, nothing to do but turn to each other and get together and pray about this. That's how revival happens, when there's a mm-hmm. huge need like that. And almost yeah. an
0: uncertainty of a future. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, we're all going to be saved, it's like, what do we do now? Let's come mm-hmm. together. Yeah.
2: Yeah. right. And I feel like it's been kind of like, and it sounds so weird but a time of peace in the sense where like we've all gotten kind of like there's not tons of forward motion this way or tons of like that anything weird. yeah like, it's just kind of like we're all kind of like, ah, like what's going on <laughs> like, like
0: you definition <laughs> of layers, yeah. yeah exactly
2: and so I think it's kind of the perfect time if you will to okay. have those moments where yeah, we're yeah, like man something needs to happen yeah, now like yeah. you know we see a need because we're I know a lot of my friends are like I want to be part of something I want yeah. to be doing something but I haven't made a decision because I don't know what you know I don't agree with this or this so now they're going to start paving their own
0: and, um, and to be fair it's not like everything that was done before is bad and has no, to be new sure. no, 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 I mean there's sure. some really good I mean it's it's like churches that say we don't want to ever sing hymns anymore <laughs> when you look at the lyrics that go into hymns mm-hmm. and the fact that they don't repeat 1500 times you know there is a lot of depth and mm-hmm. there's a lot of inspiration yeah. there Yeah. as much as there's new songs that come out that you look at the lyrics and go Wow, that speaks <laughs> to life today. Yeah. And in between, I mean, there are hymns in, in the hymn book that you look at and go... What
2: <laughs> and sweet. then you go, yeah, yeah, and then you
0: look at the l- lyrics from songs today and you're going, seriously? Yeah. 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 You know, so there is, I think it's a matter of coming together. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I think the cool part about when we talk about Laodicea is, is the the fact that since maybe they didn't make a choice either way, like they've never shut out God completely they can now still have the option of going to God, so it's not like a complete shut off to that they haven't completely ruled it out, so I was like at least there's some kind of hope in it.
0: Coming, yeah. back, to, coming back to, not that I disagree with what you said, oh, no, that whole part on. I understand. Mm-hmm. The uh, Coming back to what you mentioned earlier on about Elijah and Mount Carmel, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. fact that even a prophet of God was so discouraged and disappointed and thought he was the only one in the entire yeah. kingdom, yeah. and he was mm-hmm. moaning and you know groaning that there's no one else but me. And God mm-hmm. says, hey, look, there are a whole lot of other 7, people. 000, yeah. It's not your concern to know who else mm-hmm. follows me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what you are doing mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, and I think that is his own. I think revival doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, in my opinion, it doesn't necessarily have to be an entire church, which is great, or an entire denomination. It 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 can be be the individual.
2: But I think it's the individual that inspires the others a lot of the time. Like if you meet people that have similar thoughts as you, or like. Or searching for something as well, then there's an enthusiasm that naturally mm. comes and then suddenly things are possible to happen. Here's what
0: I disagree with you. Okay. It doesn't have to necessarily be someone who has similar thoughts to you. It just I has agree with to be that. someone who can <laughs> I think it's it's someone who can move you with truth.
2: No, I agree with
0: that. And and quite often we think it's only Christians that have like the movement of truth. Mm-hmm. It's it's when 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 people who call themselves Followers of God don't speak the truth. Mm-hmm. God uses other ways to sort of bring it up in your face and say, "See, this is what I'm talking about." Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: no, that's true. Yeah. It's
1: very true. It's kind of what happened with with the Jews in, in and you know Paul speaking to the Jews and, and saying that you know God is working in the Gentiles and he's his work in the Gentiles is really essentially putting you to shame because um, what God intended to do with you, he's now doing with the, with the Gentiles. and yeah
0: Got one minute left. So how do you stay spiritually alert? How do you make sure this revival and reformation is a constant thing and not a, let's do it for this five years, and next five years we're moving on to something else?
2: I think that goes back to your own connectivity with God. I mean, on a spiritual level, obviously, this is what I'm referring to, mm-hmm. is you, you have to be connected yourself and you can't base your spirituality or your understanding on anyone else, but like your connection with yeah.
1: God. Very nice.
0: Yeah. And the fact that you shouldn't think that you're it. Yeah. Oh, no. That yeah. you have the answers and, you know, mm-hmm. you
1: can't are, You can't afford to stay in a state of indecision. Every day, you know, you have to make an active choice to, to choose God. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah. An active mm-hmm.
0: choice, that, yeah. which takes you back to Eden when it was all about choices. Mm-hmm. Andrew, thank you for joining these two. Um, I'm hoping you're going to enjoy this quarter. Have fun with it. These two, thank you very much for being here again, your last series, Sarah. But hopefully you'll have fun as usual. <laughs> if you would like to continue this discussion or join us or contact us, you can do that on our Facebook page or you can contact us on our website. And both the Facebook link and the website information is at www.sabbaschoolu.org. That's the U, Uh For Sabbath School University, I'm Falvo Fowler, and they will see you next week. I will see you back on Lesson 13.